In today's episode, we are going to be getting back into it. Last week, we were talking about lessons that I learned from serving customers at a discount for over a year and why serving customers at a discount is so important. And I think that diving a little bit deeper into some of the details of the benefits of those lessons, even though on the surface, sometimes all we see is money lost. Um, You gain so much more. We went over the first three. We're going over the last few in this episode. And so let's get into it. Get your notebooks ready, because I think that there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be gained from beta testing, serving at a discount, or even deciding to serve someone for free. episode is being brought to you by The Brand Solution. Get the support you need to help you package, promote, and deliver your services. Visit ZaniaEblue.com slash The Brand Solution for resources to help you to take the next step forward in your business today. Okay, so last week we were talking about what I started to learn from serving customers at a discount for over a year. Um, Just as a recap of what we talked about last week, I'm going to go over literally because I have them listed here in my notes, like numbers one through three quickly so we can kind of build on some of those notes because some of them are like roughly connected or slightly dependent on each other. So I just want to make sure I don't kind of like separate them too much. But the first lesson that I learned are that some services are so elaborate that you need a team to execute it within a reasonable amount of time. The second one was that some services require that you stick around longer than the time that you spend working on that offer if you are a service provider. Sometimes you might have to stay around after you have served them successfully to gauge the results that have either a shorter term or a longer term effect. The third one is that when a brand isn't developed, marketing is much, much harder and you cannot always compromise brand development just so you could do some quick and dirty marketing. And so I'm excited about this. Um, I'm excited about this because I think that these kinds of These kinds of things are something that we probably are naturally trying to think about, but it can get these lessons about what the benefits are for the things you're doing and the decisions you're making are sometimes something that can kind of be glossed over. Um, If you're thinking about making some decisions and we aren't looking or taking a second to take a look back at whether or not those decisions served us well, whether or not those decisions helped us get the kind of results we were looking for, you don't know whether it's worth it in the long run to duplicate them again. And I think that when you look at your lives and when you look at um, your experience, it's not just about what people say is good or what people say is acceptable. It's about the consequences that it has had in your life personally, because we aren't all going to have the same environment to apply this, the same kind of effort. And so even if 
I'm advocating for this out the wazoo because of my business model, because of the kind of offer that I have, it's really important that if you even entertain the idea of doing something for free or doing something at a discount, but it doesn't, it's not something that would be appropriately applied in your context. It shouldn't be applied. And I think that I think that that's fair. And I think it's so weird um, sometimes to hear somebody say, hey, this is what I did. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm telling you the benefits I experienced when I did it so that as you weigh the cost and the value of doing whatever it is, you can decide for yourself, this is worth it for me, but that doesn't mean it was less worth it for her. I think that in a world where kind of we're looking at a lot of information and we're saying it's blanketly good or blanketly bad, I think that the nuance of context is important. And that's just one of the things that I wanted to hammer home here. So that's where I wanted to start, but let's get into it. I'm, I'm excited about these lessons because I'm excited about a lot of the things that I learned about my work. I'm excited about the things that I learned about myself. Um, and I think that knowing enough about those two things helps you to acknowledge whether something is a good idea for you or not, or what kind of changes or adjustments might be might be the most appropriate based on who you are, what you like, and what space you're in. And so let's get into number four. <laughs> okay, so number four. The fourth lesson that I learned from serving customers at a discount for over a year. This one, I was surprised by this lesson and I wasn't expecting to even learn a lesson like this. When you force people to make decisions quickly, they unmake those same decisions just as quickly in your absence. I realized um, and kind of starting to learn how to sell because we're, we'll get into this kind of quick sidebar in another episode, but the difference between marketing and selling. Oof. When you force somebody into a sale, they unmake the decision for the sale just as quickly as you force them into it in your absence. The same thing works even after they've bought. So let's say someone has decided to lean into your support or your services and you're having them make a lot of decisions at a rapid pace and there's there's no peace or stability or they, they feel like they haven't thought out as much as they personally would like to, whether or not this is a good idea, whether or not this is helpful. They haven't necessarily settled into the thought or the concept of whatever it is that you're doing or you're working on. When you force people into making a substantial amount of decisions quickly, they, have, they end up undoing a substantial amount of those decisions by the time you're done with them in that space. And so what I, would, what I realized is that because there are a lot of, a lot of like the foundation that I help build with a, a few of my clients based on you know, what they come to me for, I realized that I needed to sometimes give them enough time, not necessarily to work, but I needed to be willing to give them enough time to make a decision. And even when it looks like we are on the precipice of having to make a big decision or a big adjustment, sometimes I have to give them enough time to settle into the thought or the concept of that decision. 
for some decisions, depending on how big they are, the time is a little different. Sometimes people just need a week. Sometimes people just need a day or two. Sometimes people need two weeks. Like you really, you really just don't want to be in a position where people don't feel like they had the freedom to think and to process because you're you're changing something substantial about the way that they do things, the way that they communicate things and things like that. And so because I was trying to essentially churn through people who I felt like were costing me money, I felt I was like, oh, at the time, I was like, let me help them go ahead and do this. Why are they taking so long? This process isn't that robust. I don't understand why we are not just going from A to B. And it's like, it's cool to be removed enough from a a business or a project to be able to look at it objectively. But when you're looking at something that is a part of someone's income, that is a part of someone's kind of like what they feel like is a deeper part of the reason that they're in business, when it has personal deep ties apart from um, a desire to solve a problem in industry, but maybe it's something a little bit more emotionally grounded and changing big pieces of it might mean having to adjust or grieve the way that it used to be in order to move forward with confidence and with clarity it just it just takes knowing and paying attention to the way that they honor or value certain decisions um I was talking to my husband over dinner last night and we were talking about his business and he (laughs) he made a joke that every time I ask if he's committed to this logo if he's committed to this structure or this graphic anytime I ask are you committed to this I he knows that he's trying to gauge how how safe will it be for me to adjust this and not compromise the um the identity of whatever it is or not compromise the confidence of the entrepreneur and what it is that they're doing or they're working on he was like I know you need to change something aggressively the moment you ask, are you committed to this? And I started, I laughed so hard because I never realized, because I just, it's, it's a quick pulse check for me, but I never realized how often I asked this. I was literally looking at a client's work and I was like, yeah, I think I gotta, I'm gonna ask them how committed they are to this because da 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 da. He was like, I already know what that means. But knowing that teaches you how to handle people and, it kind of makes you aware of how serious or like how real the humanity is in working with people who have businesses. I think one of the weirdest things that I ended up learning about myself, even in this process, is that that small thing where I'm considering the humanity and the feeling of my customer or my client, I had to learn how to do that with myself. I had been in some very competitive and some very aggressive environments where humanity and 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 like the human bandwidth and possibility it wasn't something we thought about. We just thought about the work that had to be done and if you were committed to doing it you worked here and if you were no longer committed to doing it you no longer worked here. So it it has been an adjustment to go from trying to figure out how to optimize myself as a working human to leaning leaning into the cues that our emotions give us um, as to how to handle something, how to change or adjust something, or even how to communicate with others. That one was big because I think 
knowing that changed what I changed when I was working with clients um, and how I communicated with them in a way that would allow us to make real change or real progress forward and not fake progress for the sake of finishing the task or the project with the client. The next lesson um, that I learned, and it and it was weird because I I guess I wasn't paying attention. I, when as a service provider, you're just like I know what I do. I know the result that I bring. Well, let's go ahead and get some work done. But I realized in offering different kinds of offers, products product based offers um, that help them do their own service, uh, service based offers that were kind of doing it for them and then some kind of like hybrid in the middle, I realized that there's a huge difference between DIY or do-it-yourself, DWI, which is done with you, and then D4Y, which is done for you. And when you are structuring an offer, you have to know what the result is and how much of the result it's getting you. And I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable at first offering I didn't feel comfortable at first doing DIY like giving people the things that they need to do it themselves <laughs> because I really was kind of just like very attached to doing it for them or doing it with them and I realized that there is a different investment of time on every level there's also a different financial investment on every level and the reason that has to exist is because the moment the investment change changes, the attention, the seriousness, and the contribution of the client changes dramatically. Someone who is putting forth some light investments, putting forth some gradual or light effort is going to give you gradual or light attention when it's time to talk, when it's time for them to do their work and show up to the next meeting prepared. And so you end up doing people no favors by having this unstructured, like unregimented process and then saying, yeah, do it when you feel like it and you'll still have my time. And you'll still have my attention. If you're going to give someone the freedom to be able to pace themselves and not be kind of dependent on you to to make that progress and allow them to have a custom pacing, then give them that tool for them to work with and let them go ahead and adjust their effort and their contributions according to what's feasible for them. Because also everybody who isn't working hard or grinding heavy Every single person in that space or in that phase is not being lazy. Sometimes they just have other responsibilities. Sometimes they just have other things that they're working on. Sometimes they're just a parent. Sometimes they just have good jobs that they have to finish that work on. Sometimes they just have other responsibilities. And so it's not always a lack of seriousness that prevents a person from being able to hop on a, on a call for an hour or two hours and hammer this stuff out. Sometimes it's the ability to actually have time freedom to do those things and to have uninterrupted time freedom to be able to do that deep work and so it 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 changes it a lot of things change in that whole like DIY DWI D4Y structure for me um I learned to respect the DIY customer 
and the freedom that they would prefer to have. Um, And I also learned to respect myself and my time because when I created unhealthy expectations for that person or for that process, all I ended up doing was causing myself a frustration because I hadn't ironed out the kinks for serving people on different levels. And on and by different levels or by on different levels, I mean who are desiring a like a a varying level of your live time and live attention. I realize that there are some people who feel like I'm not ready for live time and live attention. Give me the tool. I also realize some people who are like, if I have some live time. I know that there is someone outside of myself who's going to support me in the time that I'm structuring or organizing for myself. Also know some people who are like, look, I'm really not trying to learn how to do this. I I need this to be done. And I had to learn to stop educating my done for you or over educating my done for you clients in a way that gives them DIY information. That's that's literally not what they come for. And even just learning that people aren't paying for a wealth or abundance of information or having they're not necessarily paying to have access to everything. They're paying for you to not give them nonsense. They're paying for you to not give them fluff. They're paying they're paying for you to not play in their face so that they can solve this problem without the stress and the overwhelm of not knowing what to do first or what to do next. And so knowing the difference in the the expectation of people who who are on that on those different tiers or on those different levels learning how to serve them well and knowing how to honor them and not dishonor one and honor another but honor the unique points of each and every single one was a huge lesson for me as as far as how to structure an offer and how to make sure I'm not wasting either one of our time in the way that I design an offer. The next lesson <laughs> that I learned in beta testing, doing things at a discount, offering things for free is that if you do not onboard and offboard, you will get stuck offering a continuous service at a weird rate because you didn't know how to structure this short-term offer or how to structure a long-term offer that only has this discounted or free rate for a limited period of time. So I think one of the things about onboarding is that when a person comes into your business, the way you introduce them to the experience of being served by you, you are also creating an expectation. You are saying, This is when we'll break this down. This is what you'll be responsible for. This is how we will primarily communicate. This is what you can expect to send to me. And this is what you can expect for me to send to you. This is the estimate or the timeline of how we will be progressing. And by the way, these are the things that will compromise the timeliness and the structure of our project and our project should not be going beyond X. Or 
if our project goes beyond X, this will be the additional free, the additional fee we are likely to incur because we'll have to use additional resources beyond the ones we had planned for to execute your project. And I think that being honest and being straightforward about the process just teaches your customers how to treat you in business. And it lets them know, I am not winging this. This is something you have been prepared for. There is a process that I'm prepared to take you through. And in order for us to get the result that we're looking for you to get, these are the steps we're taking. When we skip a step, we compromise the result. That this is how we're doing this. This is how we're starting. And even an offboarding process, I realized how powerful that was because you don't just let you don't just hand the project back and go, here, we're done. Um, and then there are questions, there's desired changes and things like that. Teaching a person how to own what you have given them, showing them the ways that they can leverage it um, beyond even what they initially imagined. So sometimes, let's say, for example, you're a web designer and you're like, okay, here's your website. And they're like, OMG, thanks. And you're like, this is the login you know, it's live. (laughs) But when you start saying things like, okay, so this is, this is how you, you can, this is like a, a quick overview of how to change little things. This is a quick overview of the pages that you have that you can leverage for A, B, and C. I know that you just wanted to accept bookings or make your product, your digital products available or what, whatever, what have you, but you can also use this to go ahead and collect leads. You can also leverage it because I placed a pixel on there. So whenever you or your team is looking to run ads, you'll already have documented some of that traffic. Like whatever the other things are that you did to position them or things that they can leverage, like whatever it is, you want to show a person what it looks like to max out the resource or the support you just provided them. If a person just got clarity on something, a business, a concept, you can say, hey, you just clarified the concept for X. This is your staple concept. This is how you can go ahead, grow, develop, mature this concept. From this, you can do A, B, C, D, and E. And it would support this primary concept you have going on, but it also would allow you to do different things. So like for if I were to give another example, um, I'm a podcaster. And so there are a lot of things about podcasting that allow you to kind of really venture out and have a really dynamic like set or structure for things um, that you're doing in your life or in your space. And so one of those things are, let's say you're a podcaster, you can have something that you say often and now that's on merch. (laughs) You can have something that you know or understand how to do and let's say you break it down a little bit more in a digital ebook or something like that. You could um, have 
internal ads so ads to things that you do in another space so if you have a course you could have ads to that course or that program let's say you want to let someone else run ads in the space now you have someone else going ahead being able to pay you for ads in that program um another thing like they're just let's say you want to have live events locally or internationally you're now hosting live events um live podcast events or networking events or events based on your experience or your industry or whatever the case is you can do so many peripheral things from developing um just that one thing but helping a person see that there are so many dimensions of it that can help you bring the fullness of the vision to life will make them honor the the primary thing that they're working on in a different way and let them see that this isn't a dead-end project there's so much more to be experienced if you do it right. And so I think that for me, having that part of the offboarding process to be able to say, hey, it's done. This is how you access those things. This is what the future of life with this tool could look like, you know, if you continue to do your work and, and develop whatever it is. Um, but also it is important to say this is the end of our working together on this project because otherwise you'll have someone who is constantly coming back with more ideas wanting more changes and they aren't a part of any retainer program they they just keep adding to the questions and things and so if that's the case, what does it look like for me to be able to pay you to continue to have contact, for us to continue to not just have random questions, but for the questions to be framed and a part of a project and able to help you move forward and facilitate? And so oftentimes, depending on how well the the offer worked, people's next question is, so what are we going to do next? And so in that case, a part of the offboarding process is just asking if there's a desire or a need for additional support as they continue to use and execute on what it is you've done for them thus far. And what are the boundaries or the confines of that? And how much does that cost? And I think that even having some content, some long form content, after a person has been served by you at times, depending on your industry, depending on your business, um, it helps a lot to be able to say, you know what, you know, I worked with them. How can I stay close to this frame of mind? How can I stay close to this 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 school of thought as I continue to execute? Um, because sometimes people will pay for more stuff just to be in the mix because there is no other way for them to be in the mix with you. And now y'all wasting each other's time. Now, <laughs> they, while they should be working, they're trying to, they're just trying to stay around you. And so in that case, what is it that a person could do to keep you within their business network if that's something that they deeply and seriously want to do. Um, and so having a plan and a process for that is something I wouldn't have known to plan for until I had successfully served somebody and started to see what might work as I was moving forward. And the last lesson that we're going to be kind of like going over naming um, that I learned from serving customers at a discount for over a year is that if you don't learn how to price yourself, you won't be able to afford to be in business 
this time next year. And you'll think that the problem is the customer or the business, but just pricing this differently could change the way that you think and feel about your business. At one point in time, I said, you know what? I don't even think this is for me. Not because I didn't like the work, not because I didn't care about the customer, not because I didn't know how to solve the problem, but because I was having a very, very hard time trying to talk myself into the appropriate price range. And depending on whether or not you're a B2B or B2C, it changes the kind of prices that you put on different projects. Um, If you're a B2B, you nine times out of the 10, depending on what it is you do or what it is you sell, it's, it's four plus. So it's anywhere between four and six figures, depending on how long you're serving somebody, what the value of the service is, and, and all that jazz. The prices are different when you're charging a business versus the prices of charging a person who is dependent on something outside of their business's revenue um, in order to, to make this work. Even smaller businesses that might have teams of less than five people or 10 people are going to have much, much tighter budgets. And for them, it's going to feel a little bit more like B to C versus B to B. Um, and knowing who your customer is and what needs to be attractive to them is ridiculous. I had this opportunity to work with in in a B2B capacity and I realized during this time where I'm beta testing and offering things for free, I realized I did not have a pricing structure for my ideal client, which is another big business. I said, if I was to even walk into a room and talk about what I do, the kind of results I provide, the continuity of service that I am guaranteeing, and the offer is a mere four figures, it's going to be assumed that I don't know what I'm doing because I don't even know how to price my name. I don't know how much it should cost. I don't, I don't, like, if I don't know that, I must not really know the worth, the value, or the substance of what it is that I'm doing. And I realized that I needed to hurry up and figure out while I'm building relationships, while I'm speaking to people, while I'm serving people, I needed to figure out how to serve people and build a, a like a a way to expose my business beyond social because a lot of big business never happens on social, ever. A lot of big business is handshakes and introductions and lunch meetings. And so when a person, when it's no longer appropriate to say, yeah, just follow me on Instagram, what are you going to say about your business? How are you going to price it? Because everybody knows your price is a part of your branding. It's a part of your marketing. It tells me how to think about you. What's included in that price tells me about the seriousness of what you sell. 
Giving me too much, a red flag. Giving me too little, it, it, it implodes the value. And so I had to think not just about price, but I had to think into and beyond price to expose my value to my true customer. Because everybody on social is my B2C, my B2C client. Those are, those are the, the consumers. What are you doing to position yourself well, not just for B2C, that lower price point client, but also for that B2B client where the price point's higher, the continuity of service is different, and the expectations changed. I had to really, really acknowledge and kind of study what kind of business I wanted to be. And I started by playing around with my offers and looking at what kind of structures and systems and strategies would be the most fitting. And I had to experience them firsthand in order to be able to say, you know what, this is what's going to work. You know what, I hate offering this. Or I cannot offer a service like this based on where I am in my business right now. It's not possible. It's not feasible. It's not realistic. I'm not going to be able to do this without a team of five. I'm not going to be able to do this or even hire a team of five if I don't have X, Y, and Z written out for myself as far as the processes and the structures and the 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 tasks that are dependent on other tasks? What are the systems for this process? One At one point, I was ready to start doing um, some part-time hiring. And I realized I really wasn't ready besides feeling like I could pay them because I had written down not a single thing about what it means to work here, what it means to, to, to have or embody this role, what the expectations would be. Even for the people I would onboard or have coming on the team, I had no plan for onboarding them in every job I've ever had onboarded me. And so when I was thinking about my pricing for the variety of offers that I tested out on people, I realized what kind of preparation, oh wow, this is a whole this is a whole nother number, number eight. I realized what kind of preparation was needed to offer a, a service like that excellently at scale. And then I also started to imagine what does at scale mean for me and my business? And so a lot of offers that I were like, oh, this is a terrible offer for me to offer, but It's only a terrible offer if there's just one of me. If there's more of me, this is a phenomenal offer and I could price it very well. And so those are some of the big lessons that I learned from serving customers uh, at a discount for over a year. And I realized the direction I wanted to take my business in from simply from giving myself the freedom to test out whether... I like this offer, what it takes to do this offer, what it means to run this offer out, and what kind of offers, especially on the early end, would run me into the ground. And I even started to be able to imagine what kind of business I wanted to have based on the kind of clients I wanted to be serving. And becoming content with the fact that it's okay if that's not everybody. It's 
okay if there is a person who has a certain temperament, who have certain interests, who want to be served by people like me, or who just have a very specific lack that isn't going to be acceptable on the level they're working towards. And so these are the big lessons that I learned from serving customers at a discount for over a year. I hope that you enjoyed listening to these lessons. I hope that you were able to kind of see, oh, wow, maybe that's something I want to try. But at least start to think for yourself, what are some of the things that would advance me, the work that I'm doing, and what kind of propel me forward, even though face value, it might look like a step back. What is going to propel me forward so that I can take the necessary action that I need in order to grow, mature, and develop the business that I am building? And so until next time, I hope that you are constantly uh, paying attention to the everyday lessons that you are learning. I know why you're here and I think I can help. For many, starting a business isn't just about starting something trendy and doing something on a whim. For a lot of people, the shift is coming from a place of financial necessity. For many, the biggest hiccups happen in one of three places. One, trying to package an offer that captures your genius. Two, promoting your offer in a way that's authentic to you and your brand. Or three, delivering your offer with the same caliber of excellence and intensity that you used in order to sell it. To learn more about how to strategically take your next offer from ideation to execution, visit zaniaeblue.com slash the brand solution. today's episode as much as I did. If that's true, I want you to leave a review. I want you to share one of the things that really resonated with you, one of the most memorable parts of the episode. And I kind of want to know, what is the thought that spiraled from the very thing you heard? A lot of the times we hear a thought, we're like, ooh, that's good. But usually the thought that we produce as a result of that is even better. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear the things you're learning in your own life's lessons. And be sure to subscribe so you never, ever miss out on when we publish brand new episodes. Can't wait to talk to you soon.